Today we're in Exodus chapter 20. As Sharon mentioned, we are almost through our series on the Ten Commandments. Um, This week, um, we're looking at the importance of our speech and the prohibition against bearing false witness. And then next week, uh, I'm going to be out of town, and Mark is going to finish our series by talking about coveting. And then the following week, we are going to um, look at a passage from Ephesians chapter 2 and just rejoice in the good news of the gospel that, that you and I, by the power of the Spirit, seek to live in obedience and in line with God's commands, but we know that we can't. And so we need to hear the gospel. I'm following a series of the Ten Commandments just to remind ourselves of where our hope ultimately is found. So that's October 30th. And in the Sunday school hour, Dr. Bo Adams is going to be here, and he's going to be talking about Martin Luther's um, first translation of the Bible in German. It's the 500th year anniversary celebrating that. And, and the reason that we mark that and celebrate that is how wonderful it is that you and I have Scripture in a language that we can read and understand. You just imagine if your life was, you had a Bible, but you had no idea what it said unless someone told you. Um, and so we're going to rejoice in that. Heritage Hall, 10 o'clock. I think Amy's re- relayed that to most of the adults on this school classes, but we're going to go big. Donuts. Celebrate the fact we got the word. Um, so, Pass that news. Be there, if at all possible, October 30th, Heritage Hall, 10 o'clock. All right, we're on page 54 still, your pew Bible. A couple more weeks. Um, It says, Exodus 20, verse 16, You should not bear false witness against your neighbor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you think about powerful things in life, it's usually the case that powerful things have a good and beneficial side, and then they have a shadow or destructive side. So here I'm going to give you a few examples. Um, think about fire. Is fire good or bad? Well, I mean, it kind of depends. Um, fire in the fireplace, uh, to be warm on a cold day, good. Um, fire to keep the pilot light in the stovetop, good thing. Um, Fire raging throughout the West and wildfires, good or bad? Well, I mean, I guess it's kind of complicated too, but generally if your house is in the path of the wildfire, it's bad, right? So we know that that fire is a helpful thing. If you're camping out, and I told the people in the first service that I'm a really bad dad. Eleanor gave me a tent for Christmas one year, maybe two or three years ago. How many of you think I've spent the night in it yet? I have not. But if I was camping out and it's Tuesday morning this coming week and it's 30 degrees, fire's good, correct? But if it gets too close to the, uh, the tent, not so good. What about water? Good or bad? Well, I mean, you've got to have water. Each of us here, if we don't have water, eventually we will no longer be with us. Um, I love to go to the lake or the beach. I love to go to a swimming pool. In its proper context, water is great. Unless there's a flood. Then at that point, water is really, really terrible. What about your words? Are your words, the ability that we have to speak, is that 
a good thing or a bad thing? Depends, doesn't it? Kind of depends. Now, speech and the ability to speak and to comprehend what others are saying, think about that for a moment if we didn't have that ability. If we couldn't talk to each other and communicate and understand how lacking our lives would be. I mean, we use speech for so many good things. We use our words and speech to sing worship and praise songs. Um, we use our speech to, to proclaim truth, either from the scriptures or maybe if we recite the Apostles' Creed. We use speech to tell each other that we care about each other. We use speech to communicate plans and be on the same page. And so it's really interesting to think about what a gift it is that God allows us to be able to communicate with each other and the real power and gift that speech is. But just like fire outside of a fireplace, or just like water if the dam breaks, um, speech, this thing that's a really awesome gift that God gives us, if we don't use it properly, is a really damaging and powerful thing in a negative way. Now, Exodus 20 and the Ten Commandments, when we have this commandment not to bear false witness, we really do have in view more of like a legal courtroom setting. So we have this idea, let's say you're brought before the judge and I happen to be the witness. How interested are you in what I'm about to say? Very interested, right? Like in that moment, I have a lot of power in whatever it is that I say you did or you didn't do as a witness. And the same is true, it's one of those timeless principles, if we're in Exodus chapter 20 and we're with the Israelites walking through the wilderness, or if we're in 2022 in Birmingham and you're at the federal courthouse, that what someone says about you in that moment has huge implications. And so God, as he's preparing his people to go live in the promised land and represent him, he makes it really clear that, that what you say and what you testify needs to line up with the reality of what's, what you've seen and what the situation is. But here's the, here's the deal with this Ten Commandments, just like the rest of them. Have any of you ever been a witness? You're like, well, if I have, I ain't raising my hand now. Like, I've never been. No one's ever subpoenaed me to come into court. No one's ever asked me to go sit on the stand and say, he did it or didn't. And so there's a way in which this commandment, I'm like, okay, I'm glad it's a thing. I'm glad it's out there, but it really doesn't relate to my life that much, really. Bearing false witness in a courtroom setting. But here's the thing, if you, if you think about what we say about each other, and you take kind of the specific commandment about bearing false witness in a legal setting, and you start to kind of extrapolate that over every area of life, Here's the thing. How many of you say something about somebody else within a given week? Anybody? Yeah. All of us have the opportunity to speak about other people in a really regular uh, occurrence that isn't my life at least. And the power that you and I have when it relates to what we say about each other 
and how it is that we use our words to be either a blessing or a source of curse in someone else's life, there's so much power in our words. And we see often in the book of Proverbs and the wisdom literature how the truths of the Ten Commandments play themselves out in what it looks like to live a wise and godly life. In Proverbs 16, I want you to listen to what the power is in our words and how it is that we talk about each other. I'll read it again from verse 27. A worthless man or woman, a person, plots evil and his speech is like a scorching fire. A dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. I love the way Proverbs talks about language and kind of these these poetic ways that kind of give you an image to wrap your mind and heart around as you think about the power of words. He says that if you plot evil and your speech isn't accurate, it's like a devouring fire. Did you hear that? Much like a wildfire that's raging. And then that second part, a whisperer separates close friends. What does a fire have to have to continue to be a fire? Oxygen. No oxygen, no fire. And so oxygen is the fuel that the fire has to have to keep going. And here is one really important lesson for us to learn, both as individuals, families, and I think as a church, that for there to be conflict and for there to be disunity, if it's, if it's kind of not based on reality or truth and it's kind of our own thing, for it to keep going, it has to have what? It has to have fuel, which is our words. Have any of you ever been in an uh, argument with anyone and you just couldn't help yourself and you just kept talking? Those of you who are married, you should all have your hands up. Um, believe it or not, Mary and I, we have disagreements from time to time. I know. Even Mary and me, time to time. And there are moments in those disagreements where I just have a wonderful line. Have you ever been in that situation? Like we have a disagreement and I've just, I got a good one. And it's just right there on the tip of my tongue. And there's that moment where I think, probably shouldn't say this. But it's just so good. And then I just, bam, just volley it out into the world. And does it do anything to bring peace? No. All it does is it encourages the disunity and the frustration and the argument. It's kind of like that, and it's like Sharon's illustration was so, so well done. Once it's out there, it can never go back in, can it? It's like that old illustration about toothpaste, like once you squirt it out, uh, you have a real hard time getting that back in there. And so one of the things that, that you and I learn about being wise people is sometimes you just need to be quiet. Sometimes you just, you just, even if it's true, even if it's just like right out there, even if you just like, oh, somebody needs to know this. For the good of God's people and for the good of your relationships and for the good of the peace that you would like to enjoy, 
as much as it's like it's just coming out and you can't hold it back, sometimes the best thing that you can do, oftentimes the best thing that you can do is just to not say anything at all. And it's amazing how silence, it's amazing how our willingness to not participate in something that we know is not ultimately honoring to the Lord will bring about the peace that you and I like to have. Now, you might be thinking, all right, now sometimes there are reasons and there are situations serious enough you have to say something. Sometimes there's a situation and it's not just a matter of like, well, I didn't like the way you combed your hair today. But like there's something more serious and substantive. Or you see something in someone else and they need to be corrected. That's another part of the book of Proverbs that those of us who are trying to become wiser people, when, when, when other people who are godly come into our lives and they see something that's not for our good, the most loving thing that they can do for us is to tell us. The most loving thing that they can do is to come in and say, hey, this is something that I see in you. I don't think it's godly. I don't think it's producing the fruits of righteousness in your life. You need to know about this. But there's, there's different ways to deliver that message, isn't there? There's one way to deliver that message where it seems like you really enjoy it. <laughs> You're like, hey, we need to get together. Can't wait for this meeting. And it's like you walked in and it's like, bam, couldn't wait to say this thing. Extrapolate that wherever your relationship is. And there's another way to speak truth and love to someone in a way that they can tell that your heart is for them and what you're trying to do is build them up and that they can tell that whatever it is they had to come and tell you about was something that they prayed about and they come to you with a real heavy, serious heart if they're willing to step in and say, hey, here's something I see in your life. Let me show this to you. And one important, one important characteristic of that is that when you see that in someone's life, who should you tell? Anybody? The person. You should tell the person. Because, like, it's a much more difficult thing to tell the person than to tell someone about the person, isn't it? It's easier for me to say, hey, Emily, that Chris guy, ooh, right? Rather than go straight to the person and say, hey, here's what I see. And so, so you and I using our speech in such a way that we're speaking the truth about other people in love and that they're involved in the conversation in an effort to really work for their good and ultimately for God's glory. Now, just like our words can be negative, our words can also be positive. Listen to what Proverbs 16, 24 says. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. There's a way for our gracious words to be like honeycomb in someone's mouth. And that you and I really have the power that God's given us in language and in words to come and be a part of someone's life, oftentimes in a moment where they need it, and to speak God's grace and His mercy and His truth into people's lives. And when we do that, it is, it is sweet to us. 
I told the folks in the first service that um, Dr. Mobies was the pastor when I first came here. And he was one of the most encouraging, kind people I ever spent time with. I would go up and give the announcements. Just give the announcements. And I'd come and sit down and he'd say, good job. I was like, well, maybe that was a good, maybe that was a good job. I mean, I did do the announcements right. Or I'd, you know, like read the scripture, which seems like reading the Bible ought to be a kind of a baseline expectation for someone in ministry. <laughs> well done. Best we've ever had. I was like, well, you're probably not telling the full truth, but I appreciate you saying that. And, and, the, and the reality of it is that you and I, just like we have the power to hurt people and bring them down or, or damage their reputation in a way that can't be built back up or to cause disunity or conflict. We also have this incredible privilege and opportunity to use our words in a way that bring life and grace and mercy to people. And sometimes it's going to be speaking the gospel to them in moments where they have totally made shipwreck of everything and they've totally blown it and they do left to their own devices, deserve God's judgment, then you and I might have the opportunity to come in and speak the gospel into their lives and to say, hey, even though you've blown it, even though you've messed up, let me share the good news of Jesus Christ with you. There's no more gracious thing that we can do. One more passage I want to share with you from James chapter 3 in closing. It's hard to talk about words and the power of words without talking about James chapter 3. And I want to just read the passage really carefully and quickly, and I'm going to close with one point from James chapter 3. Verse 1 says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. It's always a fun verse to read while you're preaching. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, now verse 9, listen to this. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who were made in the likeness of God. At the end of the day, you and I need to take seriously the value that God places on every person that we come into contact with. And it's good and it's right for us to praise the Lord, and we ought to. But we also need to take seriously everybody in this room, for example, whether you think they're great or crazy, is created in the very image of God and God cares about them. Even more, Jesus Christ died for them. So as you use this powerful tool of words in their lives, 
you and I ought to be really careful in how it is that we encourage or how it is that we challenge the people that God's put in our lives and treat them as sacred, um, sacred beings. Here's your, here's your litmus test for the week. In Colossians 3, it says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of Jesus Christ. So let that be your test for your words this week. And what you say, can you say what you're saying in the name of Jesus? And if you can't, just be quiet. I invite you to pray with me. Father, we thank you so much for the gift of this day. We thank you for instruction from your word. We pray that you would help us to be wise people who walk in step with the Spirit and who listen to what you would say and who choose the path of obedience and life. We pray that you would help us this week to be gracious and to use our words to build other people up and to establish your kingdom. And we thank you that you give us the opportunity to share the gospel with other people. So help us to be faithful to do that as you give us the opportunity this week. We pray this prayer in Christ's name. Amen.